0: All right, so tonight what we're going to do is, it's going to be a Choshe Mishpat question out of uh, national, out of BHI, so they're having their uh, annual fundraiser, and they're putting together uh, videos by some of the different uh, rabbanim and Dayanim associated with the the Institute, and they asked us all, to those of us who are participating, to go ahead and uh, record a video on some Some topic, something, uh, you know, they gave us a a list of potential topics uh, to use. So I decided I was going to do ones related to, uh, between neighbors, and I decided I was going to do one related to um, when your tree falls on your neighbor's yard. So various questions related to that. So I was doing a lot of research about that. So one of the things which I'm not going to use in that video, I have to do that also before Shabbos, but one of those things which, uh, which, uh, which came up when I uh, was, uh, was uh, researching it was a topic which begins really with trees, but ultimately it is a, it ends up being a different sugya. But I think it's an interesting topic in and of itself, so I figured, okay, why not go ahead and uh, make a Thursday night shear out of it. So here we are, Thursday night shear and hopefully you have sources on the page in front of you. Okay, great. So you can see the topic is damage from trash left on the curb. So it really, as we're going to see, it doesn't make a difference whether it is branches from a tree or whether it is trash, which is put out there. The end result is going to be the same, but... uh, I just uh, decided to just make the title as broad as I could, and that way uh, we'll cover all of it. Okay, so one of the things, so one of the, uh, the uh, when we get to the beginning of Baba Kama, if anybody studied the beginning of Baba Kama? so you know that there are four categories of damages, four categories of damage which one could inflict on another person, and the one which we're going to focus our attention on is the damage which is called bore. So Bor, in its uh, original form, the way the Torah describes it is, somebody digs a pit in the public domain, somebody makes a pothole or something in the middle of the street, and then they, uh, there's, or there's an existing pit, which is in the street, which was covered, and somebody comes along and uncovers it, and therefore becomes this attractive hazard that people or things or animals may fall into. And the Torah addresses what exactly is the liability for the person who digs the boar, or the person who goes out and uncovers the boar. So, but, as with all things halachic, as a, as you all know, that things not only exist in their literal meaning, but there's also going to be this conceptual idea. So the conceptual idea, and a lot of excitement exists, if you look in the, uh, the post game, the Rishonim, in the Achronim. They spend a lot of time trying to fine-tune the exact definition of what's bore versus what's aish and all sorts of uh, different things. Um, there was many years ago, uh, one of the Dayanum wrote an article about somebody who had uh, was holding a cigarette, and somebody walked by and burned their jacket on the cigarette. So at first glance, you think, oh, cigarette, cigarette, that falls in the category of ash of fire, and it should fall into that category. But the truth is, in that particular article, since the aish was uh, stationary, and uh, which is not a characteristic of fire. Characteristic of fire is something which is moving. So it turns out that that which actually was a fire could fall into a different category. It could be automamazic, mazik. It could be bore. It could be. It could fall into all sorts of different things. But the primary definition that we have for bore is not a hole in the ground, but it is a stationary hazard. And it is one where the person or the thing which ends up being harmed, they go into the bore rather than the damaging thing coming to them. So this is in direct contract to H. H, the fire comes into, it comes into your property and, and gets your stuff. Bore is you go into the bore and then you get hurt by you entering into the bore. Okay, so once we know that there is this conceptual difference, there's conceptual idea, which we call bore. So now we'll go into So this is towards the end of So this is towards the end of Chosha So one of the things which the Gemara does at the beginning of Masech is it lets us know that just like on Shabbos, there's like an Av Malacha and there's a Toldah there is the way the Malacha was done in the Midbar when constructing the Mishkan and then there are activities which are conceptually similar which are also going to be in Issa so, by nizikin by damages, we find a similar thing. So, here Shochanach says, told us habor. So, what's considered to be a subcategory of bore? So, avno sakino maso, ukiyotseben. So, let's say you have a stone, you have a knife, sakin, maso, or any other package. So, we're just going to say, for simplicity, a hazard, something which shouldn't be there. U uh, sheimichem ber and you left it in the public domain. Rishus Rabbim over here is not defined like we do on Shabbos. That it has to be a certain size and six hundred thousand people or whatever it is. But rather, it's going to be anywhere where the public has the right to traverse, has a has the right to uh, to walk through. So even the sidewalk is going to be rishus The vizikubim koman. And in the event that this hazard ended up causing damage in the place that it was resting, that it was uh, that it, that it was. And it doesn't make a difference whether or not you were whether or not you uh, declared that item ownerless when you put it there, like when you put the trash by the curb for the garbage rent to pick it up, or even if you didn't declare it ownerless, you kept ownership of it, it, doesn't matter. Or another case which exists is you went ahead and you left something on your rooftop, but it was the type of object where a common wind will blow it off of the roof and leave it on the street somewhere. And this thing which you left on your rooftop ends up causing damage after it comes to rest, not damages as it's falling, that's a different category, but this, it it caused damage when it came to a rest, so you're going to be chayev. All of these hazards, which are above the ground, not a pit in the ground, but above the ground, so all of these are conceptually bore, and you're going to be chayev. Shedom bore because they're similar to bore, in the sense that, mamono shamazik b'makom that it's your property, or your former property, which causes damage in the stationary place where it is resting. And actually, this next part, uh, I went ahead and I meant to delete because this is going to be part of a, uh, a source later on. So this is what we're dealing with. So the case we'll talk about over here is let's say somebody went ahead and put some branches. They were trimming their tree and they went ahead and they put branches on the, uh, on by the by the street or on the sidewalk, wherever it is where people go into Rosh robin and people ended up being damaged. They ended up uh, uh, harming them. They ended up uh, ripping their clothing or something along those lines. So is the owner of the tree, the owner of the branches, or the person who put those branches out, is he going to be responsible or is he not? Okay, so now let's, uh, let's see a little bit uh, further. So he said, now seemingly you could go ahead and you could argue, that there's no reason that if I go ahead and I put branches, let's say on the sidewalk by the street where the garbage men come, and somebody comes along, somebody jogging or somebody walking comes along and they end up getting their garment caught on those branches and it rips. So how can you possibly hold me responsible for that? Why did you watch where you're going? Right? It's a simple uh, simple claim to the person who was damaged. You should have been watching where you're going. If you had just opened up your eyes, if you would taken your eyes away from your phone for a moment, you would have realized where you were going and you would have seen that there's branches there and you could have easily walked around it. So if you are so foolish as to not watch, why is that my responsibility? Why should I be chayef? So here in source two, this is in Simon tofuyud base sif aleph. Here Shochanor says, So it's a different case, although uh, it will fit into the same category. But let's say I go ahead and I take, well, say for simplicity, I take a barrel and I put it into the street. Uba acher And somebody was walking down the street and they ran into my barrel and they broke it. So, Pater. So the person who went ahead and ran it over, so they are going to be exempt. Literally, they jogged over it and they broke it. So they do not have to pay. Why don't they have to pay? They broke my thing. So why would they not have to pay if they broke my thing? So this is, I'm actually going to have this underlined. So we say the reason is is because it's, it's common, this is amazing, because this is even before there were cell phones and people were much less, att- where where people are much less attentive now, but even in the time of Chazal, the assumption was, is that people don't watch where they're going. They know the general direction in which they are headed, but as far as looking down each step along the way to make sure that uh, that they don't uh, step on something, so that's not what people do. People just so go, uh, sort of just move along without paying attention. And not only that, not only if the guy runs into my barrel and breaks it, is he not Chayev for breaking my stuff? But the mhuzakbo, let's say the guy tripped on my barrel, broke it, and he hurt himself. He was injured on my thing that he wasn't watching, he wasn't paying attention to. So bal HaKad chhaev, afil HaKad. So I, the owner of that barrel who put it out there, I'm high for his damages. I'm responsible to pay for his damages. Even if I went ahead and I put it out there because I was expecting the garbage man to pick it up and throw it into the garbage truck. But still, where so that means I was moffed it. I declared it ownerless. So I effectively made it ownerless by putting it out with the trash. Nonetheless, if somebody ends up injuring themselves on that thing which I put out there, I am going to be chayav. Because any time you go ahead and put something out in the public area, which you were not supposed to put it out there in the first place anyways, So, uh, and it's something which is a hazard to the people in the street, so you bear full liability for that. So you're liable not only if it belongs to you, if it's your possession at the time that the damage occurs, but even if I declared it ownerless, but I put it into that place uh, uh, where people could easily run over it, or people could get hurt by it. So I am going to bear full responsibility for that. Uh, question. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You you started out this thing by saying what happens if your tree falls into your neighbor's yard. So I gather from that that in this context, Rishus Harabim even includes private property. Um, So I I said that the the video, which I'm going to record for BHI, is going to be about trees falling in. And then I was doing a lot of research related to trees, articles that we have on trees. So I found this, and this is one which is not going to make it to that video. So that's why I'm using it here. So we're actually not going to talk about trees falling in other people's yard, unless you want to go ahead and say, after a tree fell in the neighbor's yard and we cut it up into smaller pieces, we drag those pieces out onto the, uh, by the curb. Okay. All right. Got it. Okay. Okay. So now the Sma over here in Simon Tafyod Sifkat and Lamed, Lamed Gimel. Sorry. So he says a very important idea as far as watching where you're going. He says, the Behema ain't lamata. The Sma explains that this is really a physiological phenomenon. And that is animals which are walking on all fours, so their eyes are more or less set downwards. And therefore, animals are actually better equipped to watch where they're going and to avoid hazards. But as opposed to humans that walk upright and their eyes are not down, their eyes are forward or upwards, he actually says upwards. And he looks way beyond what's happening immediately in in the steps in front of him. And therefore, that's why the SMA explains that we don't expect people to watch where they're going. And it's for that reason that somebody who leaves a hazard in the street, even though had you looked, you would have easily been able to see it. But we cannot expect a person to go ahead and look. And since we don't expect a person to go ahead and look, if your thing ends up causing somebody else damage because they walk into it, so you have full responsibility because that is what we call bore. Now, what you'll argue is you'll say, okay, I can accept that. I I, I could hear you, I may not like it, but I could hear you when you go ahead and you argue that people don't watch where they're going. So if you put a hazard out into the street or you put a hazard out onto the sidewalk where somebody walks into it and they get hurt or they get damaged, that the the owner is going to be responsible. But maybe that's only, like we said back in Source uh, source 2, where if I mofker something, I declare something ownerless, which I wasn't supposed to put out on the street anyways. Well, let's say I have permission, right? Come Sunday night, if your garbage pickup is uh, is Monday morning. So come Sunday, I think, after 6 or something like that. So you could already put your garbage can out by the curb. And uh, you have permission to do so, and the uh, the village says that if you have branches and whatnot, so you put it out there where you leave the the garbage, and whatever truck is going to come and they'll uh, they'll pick it up. So if I have permission to put those branches out there, is it, would it make sense that I have permission to put them there? and yet I'm still going to be responsible if somebody damages, if the, if the village gives permission to put branches out by the curb, that itself should really be an exemption. There's an argument to be made that I should be exempt from liability because I'm just doing what, the, what I'm supposed to do. That's how, we, that's how we discard these things. So here in sources four and five, just for emphasis purposes to reinforce the idea, so we'll see that just because you have permission to do something doesn't in and of itself exempt you from any liability. So, here in source four, this is in Simon base, Sif Hay. So, here we have a case where back in the day, before they had indoor plumbing and whatnot, so people would use water inside of the house. When the water was no longer usable, it became so filthy and echi that it couldn't be used for anything anymore. So, they would go ahead and they, they had no choice. They would just dump it out from their yard and it would, uh, uh, it would um, stream into the street. Okay, so as we're going to see, so during the winter time, everything is rainy and muddy and gross, anyways. So nobody cares if there's more water in the street because it's all g- gross outside, anyways. In the summertime, where it's dry, so you could go ahead and you can make a big muddy puddle right in front of your uh, right in front of your house or in the street over there, and that's something that people won't appreciate. So here, Shulchan Aruch says, "Hashofech So you take the waste water from your house and you spill it out in Rosh Hashanah, you spill it out into the street, because where else, where else are you going to spill it out? So in the event that somebody slipped on the water, they had a slip and fall on that water, and they fell on the ground and got hurt, so you, the spiller of the water, so you're responsible for that injury, you're responsible for the damage. I won't say injury, you're responsible for the damage. Then, skipping some of the details, then Shochanach says... And the liability of the spiller for the damage which results from pouring out the water applies even during the winter months, where everybody has permission to go ahead and open up the drain pipe which allows the water to drain from the yard into the street. So even though the uh, uh, village code allows you to let that water stream into the public domain during the winter months, as we said, because it's not going to make the street any more filthy because the street is filthy anyways, but, So even though one has permission, to go ahead and let the water drain out into the street. Nonetheless, that comes with the caveat that in the event that somebody gets hurt by it or, somebody, uh, uh, or damage results from that water, so there's going to be full liability. So here we see one example where just because one has permission to do something doesn't generate together with it an exemption. It just means you're allowed to do it, but at your own risk. Same way that, uh, you know, you could park in our parking lot, you know, uh, but the items that you leave in your car, you leave them at your own risk. So you could use our parking lot, but we're not taking responsibility for the stuff that you leave in there or in your hotel room. So they say that, uh, you know, there's a safe there if you want, but leave your stuff there at your own risk. We don't take any responsibility for that stuff whatsoever. And similarly, and this, this example in Source 5 is actually more similar to what we're talking about where you're taking some branches or you're taking something and you're putting it out by where the uh, where the garbage men will pick it up. So you say, So in a time when you're allowed to go ahead and take all of the animal manure and you're allowed to put it out into the street, since they would uh, um, use the animal manure ultimately for fertilizer, so it was beneficial for it to be stomped on, I guess, with some straw also. So you just throw all that stuff in front of your house into the into the street. And as people walk by, as the animals walk by, as wagons go by, so they end up crushing that stuff and making it into usable fertilizer. So there's certain times when you're it was permitted to go ahead and put this stuff into the street. So during that time that you're allowed to dump this stuff into the street, so you have permission to do so. But but nonetheless you do so at your own risk and in the event that you end up causing damage to somebody as a result so you are going to be chayv so here we see two we, we, from these sources so we see two important principles number one is this idea that a, a bore isn't limited to something in the ground it could even be a hazard which, which rests atop the ground as long as it's stationary the fact that the person who was damaged could have should have walked watched where he was going and didn't do so is not an exemption. And then number two, the fact that you had permission to put the stuff into the street also is not an exemption. That you do so at your own risk. And if somebody gets hurt, so you are going to be high. Yes, Ellen. So that uh da- whatever the definition of damage is. Yeah. Who decides yeah. that? Um, so that will be. Um, in terms of stuff or in terms of people? Either way. Anything that you'd be chay for. Right. So usually what we do is, let's just talk about stuff, because that's the easier one, is we we assess what its value was before the damage, what its value is subsequent to the damage, and that difference, so the mazik will have to pay. So it's not necessarily repair costs, although sometimes it may be the repair costs. So that, uh, yeah. The best thing is always to negotiate a settlement in those things, but uh, that's generally the way that that we would do it. Okay, so now, now that we know that when you put these branches out there, uh, even though you have permission to do so, and even though the owner of the branches would like to blame the victim and say, hey, you should have watched where you were going, and you're a moron for not watching where you were going, and why do I have to pay for damages to a moron? But nonetheless, the Torah says, you have to pay anyways. So now let's find out what the liability for bore is. And this is where things begin to get uh, interesting. We say, L'fikach. therefore, this hazard which uh, is stationary and is on top of the street, yeshoko bore. So all the halachas of liability of a bore are going to apply. So what does that mean? So in the event that an animal gets damaged, so as you remember from Babakama there, sometimes when you only pay chatzinezik, you only have to pay half the damages. So for boar, whatever damages occur, you're fully liable. Nezvam mitchilasa, al misasa So you'd have to pay full damages right off the bat in the event that the an animal falls into the boar or runs into the hazard and um, dies. So let's say you put a, a plate glass by the street over there, and somebody's parrot goes flying into it and dies because it can't see the plate glass. So you'd be responsible for that. Oh, he's Zika, or in the event that it got damaged, Val Adam. And one is also going to be responsible in the event that a person becomes injured by the hazard that you left on the street. So if the guy, guy, um, uh, you know, uh, tears a tendon because he wasn't watching where he was going and he ran into that branch, you know, went right into a tendon and tore it, so you, the owner of the branch, are responsible for that. Now he says, this is going to be important, liability for, in this case, we'll just say the hazard, whether or not the person tripped on the hazard and then fell on the hazard, and in the injury resulted from falling on the hazard. ben niska be or let's say right before he hit the hazard, somebody said, hey, watch where you're going, you're about to run into that branch. And as a result of that, he tripped on his own two feet, or he tripped on the ground, and then fell onto the hazard. So in either one of those two cases, he's chayav because ultimately it was the stone, or in our case, the branch, which actually inflicted the damage. So it doesn't matter what caused the person to fall onto the uh, uh, onto the uh, the branch, whether he tripped on the branch and then fell on the branch, or whether he tripped on the ground and fell on the branch, as long as he fell on the branch, the owner of the branch is chayiv for the injury to the person. Aval But in the event that, and this is very hard conceptually to uh, to process, but in the event that the person slipped on the branch and as a result of that hit the street, and then you know busted open his head on the street but he didn't land on the branch potter he's going to be potter bo is going to be exempt whether the person dies or whether the stuff is uh, whether the uh, a, a, an object was damaged either way he's going to be is going to, oh, sorry I should say potter and then it should say he's potter for that cuz you're only responsible for the damage which was inflicted directly by your branches but your branch is causing somebody to slip and then fall onto the cement, that's a grama, that's indirect, because it wasn't my thing which, which, which inflicted the injury, it was just a cause of it. And then there's also an exemption, which is also going to make this exciting, is mimisas adam, There's one is going to be exempt, in the, in the one is obligated for injuries to a person. If it kills a person, then the owner of the branch is not chayev, and venizke kavin Niske Keile means that let's say the person who walked into the branch and fell down, he was holding a bunch of a box of Waterford crystal. And as a result of tripping, so he went ahead and he dropped the box of Waterford crystal. And now all that crystal is all over the street. So the owner of the branch is not responsible for that crystal. Even if I should emphasize, even if the crystal falls onto the branches. So the branches are what caused that the damage. As we're going to see, there's a special exemption uh, from having to pay for damages to things. You only have to pay for damage to people or damage to animals, but not to things. Where does that come from? Thank you for asking. So here in Source 7, so this is Simon Taf Yud, Sif Chaf So here, Shulchan explains. Nuflu Kalim Babor. So here we're going into the classic case of a boar. Classic case of the boar where there's actually a hole in the street. Somebody digs out a uh, a a pothole, and the person walking goes out and drops the Waterford crystal into the uh into the uh the uh the boar vuhuzku, and that stuff became damaged. Oh nishtabru, or even if the crystal went ahead and shattered in the boar. So, potter, so the owner of the boar in that case is exempt from liability. Why is he exempt from liability? Shunemark, as a Pasuk says, v'nafal shama shor o chamor. Because when the Torah talks about the case of a boar, so the Torah says that there's going to be liability if somebody else's shor, somebody else's bull, or somebody else's chamor, their donkey falls in and gets injured or dies, so then you, the owner of the boar, are chayah. And Chazal say, why does the Torah give two examples? So it means shore, it says shore velo Adam, you're responsible for injury to a, uh, or the, the death of a shore, but not a person. Chamor And then you're also responsible in the event that it's a donkey, meaning an animate object, but the owner of the boar is not responsible for inanimate objects. And the only time the owner of the boar is going to be exempt on a person is in the event that the person dies. So if there's a slip and fall on that branch and somebody dies, a person dies from hitting the uh, the boar, so then the owner of the boar is not responsible. Aval But in the event that the person didn't die, but the person was injured, so then one is going to be chayev, but aval kelimpater, When it comes to inanimate objects, so then the owner of the bore is always potter. And it doesn't make a difference whether or not the item, it was like Waterford crystal that went in there and shattered entirely and cannot be repaired. Or whether, let's say, somebody's car drove into that puddle and there was damage to the axle, which is repairable, doesn't make a difference. The owner of the board is not responsible for inanimate objects, for kalim. He's only going to be responsible for people in the event that they get injured, or animals, whether injured or whether they die. So what this means is, and we'll we'll, we'll see the the application over here, but in the case where somebody was jogging by and they tore some of their clothing, clothing is kalim. So even though if the person had fallen and, uh, and injured themselves, so the owner of the boar would be chayev if what got ruined was a thing, an inanimate object, a keli. So by xerus akasuv, and we're going to see the significance of this uh, shortly, but by xerus akasuv, by divine decree, so one is not going to be responsible for that damage. What's the logic behind this? Why, why, why would the, uh, the Torah set up such a system? So he says. So we're going to look at the Aruch HaShulchan, and we'll actually we'll jump to the middle of it, just to keep focus on what we want. So the first part uh, before where it's highlighted now is where he the Aruch HaShulchan reviews some of these halachas, which we just said. So we don't need to review it again. But then he says, "Even though generally we try, we shy away." from trying to explain and give logical explanations for a law of the Torah. Because if it's in the Torah, that's, uh, that's what the Allah is, and we don't necessarily have to understand it for it to be true. But he says, He says, we can actually give a reason, an explanation, as to why the Torah says that if a keili is damaged in the boar, the owner of the boar is not responsible. And if a person dies in the bore, also the person is not going to be responsible. What's the logic? The adam chayav that in the event that a person gets injured, person is injured when they run into my, the branches which I le- which I left on the street. The reason I'm chayav is, as we said, that was the principle that we established that halacha does not expect a person to watch where they're going. So you, the person who's putting out the hazard, you have a responsibility to make sure that nobody is injured by it. And if you don't take that precaution, so you're going to bear that responsibility. You take that risk by putting it out there because you cannot expect people are watching where they're going. But something which can actually cause somebody to die. So it's obvious that there's one thing to not be careful and to walk into something and get injured, but something which is a potential uh, death threat, something which could kill somebody, so that the brain immediately is going to detect, and everybody who's human knows to watch out for that. Vav Khair and even our classic Khair v'katten, who has uh, the person who's deaf-mute, the person who's insane, the person who's a child, who are lacking das. They're not obligated to mitzvahs because they don't have das, But nonetheless, they still have enough seichel to avoid something which is life-threatening. So even they know how to go ahead and do that. And if we're talking about a baby who doesn't have any seichel whatsoever, so that's not really our concern because for the obvious reason. Because you're not going to leave a baby to go ahead and crawl around in the middle of the street where they could fall into some, you know, uh pit, which is uh, which is there. So we don't really have to be so worried, worried about that. And hopefully there's a babysitter. Where are the parents? So somebody should be responsible over there. And even somebody who is completely insane or somebody who's deaf-mute, they have enough seicha that they avoid something which is life-threatening. So that's why the owner of the boar could actually be exempted from, uh, from liability because this you can't pin this on me because this is something which everybody, even those who are weak-minded and are challenged intellectually, they know enough to stay away from something like this. So that's why one is going to be exempt in the event that somebody dies, Now, what's the reason why, according to the Racha what's the reason why the Torah says that if an inanimate object becomes damaged on the boar, that one is going to be exempt, that one doesn't have to pay? Because, by its very definition, inanimate objects means they're inanimate. So they can't go anywhere on their own. So how did this inanimate object get into this boar? It didn't walk on its own because then it wouldn't be inanimate. So Kaylee, by its definition, cannot walk to the boar. That means somebody must have been carrying it, or somebody must have been transporting it, or somebody threw it, or somebody did something. Somebody set this Kaylee in motion. And therefore, since somebody had to set this keli in motion, And we all know that when you're carrying something, when you're schlepping something around, so you are more cognizant of where you're going and you're more attentive. Schlep in a whole bunch of packages after going shopping, you know, for Shabbos or something like that, and you walk more carefully than you do when you're you're not carrying anything, because you don't want to drop the stuff, you don't want to, uh, to take the risk. So therefore, in that case where a person is carrying something, We expect the carrier of that inanimate object to be much more attentive, and if he didn't care enough to watch where he was going, so why do I need to be care? Why do I need to be more concerned about him than uh, than he is? And therefore, since when a person is carrying something, we expect him to be more attentive, and we expect him to watch where he's going. If he wasn't, hasiba who mean onus. So that means that I is the owner of the branches. I is the owner of the boar. You can't pin this on me because I'm an onus, because why would you watch where you were going when you have other stuff in your hands? So when you have other stuff in your hands, we do expect you to watch where you're going. And therefore, I, as the pit owner, I'm exempt. I'm exempt. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed that this is what would befall the owner of this, uh, of these kalim, that he was going to not watch where he's going and is going to end up losing his stuff. But you cannot shift that responsibility on me when in that circumstance, the Torah actually does expect you to watch where you're going. Okay, give out. So now we have one thing left. So what this means is, is that when I go ahead and I put branches out on uh, on the curb for garbage pickup. So I do so, So even though I have permission to do so, I do so at my own risk. And in the event that somebody were to walk by and trip somehow and fall onto those branches and get injured, so I would be responsible. If together with their injury, they tear their clothing, I'm not responsible for the clothing. I'm only responsible for the injury to the person. I'm not responsible for for the, the damage to the clothing. But now the question is, sometimes... Halacha says there's, there's two tiers as far as liability is concerned. There's one level of liability, which is based in enforceable. Basin can come to a person and say, hey, you owe this guy money. And if you don't pay him, we're going to take it from you to reimburse that other person. So that is enforceable by Basin. And then there's another level where it's not enforceable by Basin. But it's the moral, responsible thing to do. What we call Shamayim, that you want to satisfy your heavenly obligation. To go ahead and uh, take care of your responsibility. And the question is, in this case, where the Torah says I don't have to, yeah, where the Torah says that I don't have to go ahead and and uh, and pay. So is there a, a an idea of should I make an effort to pay anyways because it is the right and moral thing to do, even though Basin cannot force me to do so? Okay, so we're going to see in these last two sources, we're going to address that. Source nine over here is from the Pizchei Choshen. Pizchei Choshen is one of the, uh, it was... Um, written within the past uh, 20, 30 years or so, I guess, uh, at this point. So this is one of the more thorough uh, sets of sorry It's a 10-volume set, all in Choshe Mishpat, Choshe Mishpat, the topics. So anybody who learns Choshe Mishpat has a set of the Pisvei Choshen. So he writes, this goes back to what you had mentioned, Ellen, in terms of liability. So uh, if you remember also from your Babakama days, from your kama studies, that when a when there's a, a category of damages called adamam mazik, where a person goes and if I punch you in the nose, so if I punch you in the nose and I break your nose, so I'm high of hey dvarem, I'm obligated five different payments potentially, and they are those for those who remember are nezek that's damages that's the loss of value, tsar is the pain, ripui are the medical costs, sheves is the unemployment. In Boshes is humiliation. So if I punch you in the nose and you bring me to Basin, so Basin is going to go through their checklist and say, okay, how much, are the, how much is the nezik, the damages? Check. That's a, you write a check for this amount. How much is the tsar? How much is the pain? And they have their method of calculating that. That's another payment. And the repoing, what were the doctor's costs? You got to cover that. What was the unemployment because you couldn't go to work? Get that. And then Boshes, what was the humiliation? Those those hey dvarim. That's only true by of mazik. But in the event, let's say that the person trips on my branches and they tear a tendon. So as a result of that, they need two surgeries and they're out of work for eight weeks because of uh, because of a uh, rehab and whatnot. And it was embarrassing because the entire family was there and they were uh, you know on their way to a chasa or something. I don't know what it is. So and there was a lot of pain that was involved. So even though I'm responsible for damages when a person hurts themselves on my branches and in my bore, the old, since it's not it doesn't fall into the category of Adam hamazik damages which is inflicted by me as a person. It was damages which is inflicted by my bore, I only have to pay Nezek. I only have to pay for damage as a loss of value to the person, I don't have to cover medical costs, I don't have to cover uh, unemployment. I don't have to cover, cover humiliation. I don't have to cover pain. All I have to cover is Nezah. So that also is a great limitation in the event that a person becomes injured, certainly when the injury is going to require a few surgeries. So the person would, w- would love for the owner of the board to be responsible for that, but the Torah says he's not going to be responsible. Now we come to the question, is there a moral responsibility, anyways? What about the Chi of Lotsei Sidei Shemaim? Should the owner of the boar feel a moral responsibility to go ahead and pay for these other costs, the Nezek, the Tsar, Ripuy, Boshas, and Shevas? And should he pay for caleb? Should he pay for the clothing which got ruined as a result of that as well? You could have, you know, a very expensive suit, a very expensive dress which gets ruined on one of these hazards, and to say, "Oh, I'm so too bad, so sad." The ultimate, "Too bad, so sad." I know that was a three thousand dollar dress, but you know, the Torah says I'm exempt, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'll send you a Hallmark card to, uh, you know, for the the loss of your uh, of your dress. So here, the piece of Hoshen brings down in uh, source ten over here. He's quoting this from the Birka Shmuel. Birka Shmuel is a sefer which is uh, known primarily for its its lumdisha analysis, its analytic analysis of various halachic principles. But over here, it's quoted very often in this context uh, because he has a chiddush. And he says, He says that there's another exemption, another case where the Torah exempts somebody for damage which their stuff did. And that is, if my animal is walking the public domain and went ahead and ate, some. let's say you put your lunch down, you put your lunch bag down on the street, and my animal walks by and eats up your lunch, my pet squirrel comes along and eats up your your lunch, so I'm not responsible. Or if you leave your, you know, your water for crystal on the street, and my animal walks by on the street and stomps on it, that's regal, so I'm going to be exempt. I don't have to pay for those things. Shane and Rego, what my animal eats or what my animal steps upon in Rishush HaRabim, in the public domain, that's where they're supposed to walk. So the Torah says I'm exempt. So he says over there where the Torah exempts me, my animals, me and my animals, from what they eat and what they step upon in Reshus HaRabim, I'm exempt. Why? Shemiyat Torah Midin Mamono. Because the Torah says that this is not something for which you are responsible. The, and here's the key line, I'm going to underline that too. And by the Torah saying that you're not responsible for Shane and Regal, what the animal eats, what the animal steps upon in the public domain, what the Torah is effectively saying is, I, as the owner of the animal, I don't have to pay attention to where my animal is walking in the public domain. So if you leave your food out, it's going to get eaten up. If you leave stuff out, it's going to get trampled. And I'm not responsible to be a shomer, to be a custodian, or to watch my annals to make sure that it doesn't do so, because that's where you go. Somebody goes ahead and puts out uh, you know, a, a bottle of soda on the street. So they can't expect that somebody's not going to drive over it. That's where cars go. That's where cars go, and you put your thing out there. So it's the owner of the thing's uh, loss. It's not my responsibility that you left something out there, which is valuable. Upater uh, afmi iser... Uh, the dineshamayim, and therefore, I, as owner of the animal, by Shane and Regal, not only did I not do an Isser by not watching, my, by not putting a leash on my animal, but I have no moral responsibility to pay you whatsoever, because the Torah's exemption, the bir shul says, the baruch ber Alibu, it says, the exemption is I have no responsibility to watch my animal to make sure that it doesn't happen. So if the Torah doesn't even expect me to watch the animal, then if it damages, you can't say there's a more responsibility to pay. I, how could you make me pay when I wasn't supposed to watch in the first place anyways? The animal's allowed to walk around Rishasar Abim. However, King, li'inyan Kalimba Boar, but as far as the case of when a person's inanimate object falls into a boar, we'll actually skip this next two words, we don't need them, uh, so the exemption the Torah gives is not that I don't have to watch my boar. The Torah never said I don't have to watch my bore. In fact, the opposite is true. The Torah says I do have to watch my boar. What the Torah says is we're not going to make you pay. But the fact that I'm, the Torah says I don't have to pay doesn't mean I shouldn't have taken steps to prevent it in the first place. By boar, I am expected to take steps to prevent it in the first place. And therefore, since in this case, by boar, the Torah wants me to be a better Shomer, wants me to watch my stuff better, and I was negligent in that regard, so I certainly did an Iser of leaving an open boar, leaving an open hazard that could be harmful and damaging. And therefore, says, or Baruch says the Birka the chai of Medinei Shomayim, so he's of the opinion that there is a moral responsibility to go ahead and pay. So again, it means Basin cannot enforce that. They cannot make you pay. But if you call up your Rav and say, listen, this is what happened. Should I pay or should I not pay? The Rav will say, yeah, it's a good idea to, uh, to pay. You should really pay in that, in that case. Now, you should know, however, that this is the opinion of the Birka Shul. But then the Choshen says, If you look into the his analysis of these halachas, he writes, Bedin He disagrees. And he says that even in the case of the inanimate objects which fall into my boar, even in the case of Kaylu, which fall into the boar, so it is one is going to be exempt not only from basin. But the Chazanish says, once the Torah exempts you, there's no moral obligation to pay no matter what. No One should not feel this uh, moral compulsion to go ahead and pay. So there's that interesting debate between the Birka Shmuel and the Chazanish about whether there is a moral obligation to pay. But Medin Torah, the garment which rips on those uh, branches, which you leave out by the curb, so one is going to be exempt. There is that technical exemption because the Torah says... Uh shore velo autumn and chamor velo kalim and therefore that is a, an exemption in basin. So is this the same is this the same as the example you gave us in the first place, which was the cigarette and walking by and burning the coat? Right, right. So even though, just a spoiler, but even though we ended up saying that that cigarette would likely be a bore, so if we categorize it as a bore, so then one would not be high for the uh the suit jacket which got burned, correct? Yeah. Because you're you're exempt on uh on kalin. The owner of the garment never likes to hear that. <laughs> but that's the the uh, xerisakasov. The the uh, the, uh, the did his best to try and uh, explain a rationale behind it, which makes sense as long as it's not your garment. But if it's your yeah. garment that gets damaged, so yeah. I'm not sure that the Archashokhan is necessarily going to uh, to satisfy you. Okay, All right, everybody. So next week.